interim director of I, I'll let you say that. But come on up, Dan, now. Uh, I have known Dan for years, but he's only known me for a few years now. The reason behind that, because I was a pesky freshman when he was a senior, and uh, I remember him being part of the Thursday night missions that we as college students always had to do. Well, we are the Christian Missionary Alliance, after all, and uh, so missions has just been our heartbeat. It's who we are, and uh, you are going to hear a great message from Dan more recently, uh, I sent out a request to a bunch of our missionaries. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, and I said, I've got this, this kind of new idea or new uh, way that we could do short-term missions. And, and here it is. Dan's the only missionary that responded. And uh, we began to work on some short-term stuff uh, in Guinea, Africa. I was able to go on, on two different teams there. And uh, I can remember sitting in Guinea, Africa, and it was hot. It wasn't bad where you lived. Uh, it actually cooled off at night, but we're sitting on his deck overlooking this beautiful valley, and we were eating this, uh, this chicken stew stuff that had all the parts of the chicken in it. I remember I had to spit some of them out and, you know, put it away, because these people sacrifice You don't want to waste their, it. Well, you don't want to waste it, but I did. I have to admit that. At least, uh, you know, in Ecuador, I was worried when I went there I'd eat monkey brain, and I didn't have to do that or uh, yeah. guinea pig or something. You didn't do that to us, but, but it was delicious. And <laughs> this guy's heart, everybody in Guinea loves him. And he's, he keeps trying to retire, and they keep pulling him back into service. But I'm, so, I'm excited for what you're going to share Thank with you. us, Dan. Appreciate and uh, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. It's great to be here in Grand Prairie again. And uh, we've had the privilege of being here since Friday. Uh, got here before the snow really started. And uh, we were here for the final weekend of our Kairos course. And I see some of the grads sitting out there already, and uh, we had a great time. There were 17 who completed the course from this church uh, this weekend. So uh, we really appreciated that, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, we just want to take some time today to introduce you to the Christian Missionary Alliance a little bit. You say, well, I'm an Alliance church. I know about the Alliance. Well, some of you do. But there may be some people here who don't know much about us. Uh, so I'm going to take a minute to explain that you are one of 435 Christian Missionary Alliance churches across Canada. We all are all linked together by a vision prayer that we pray together. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. We are united by a prayer and also by a common passion, the passion to be on mission together. It's not just those who go who are on mission. We're all on mission together. Everyone, everywhere, all the time. When we look at our world, we've made a commitment to complete the Great Commission by going to the least reached people. We go to the hard places, the poor places, the most spiritually neglected people groups with Jesus' message of hope and providing access to Jesus for those who do not yet have access to him. We have about 235 Christian Missionary Alliance international workers 
serving in about 80 countries around the world, or 40 countries around the world, pardon me, to reach the least reached peoples of the world. Each Christian and Missionary Alliance worker overseas has to be identified with one of the least reached people groups uh, in order to serve with the Christian Missionary Alliance. We've divided the world into five regions. They all start with S, and you may know about these. Uh, C to C would be Canada, Spice, Asia, Asian Spice, Silk Road, well, that's from Central Asia, uh, Middle East, and Europe, Desert Sand, that's where we came from and served, uh, West Africa and North Africa. And then the sun region, the Caribbean sun, uh, Cuba, uh, Central and South America. Globally, on any given weekend, you may find about 5 million people worshiping in Alliance churches around the world. 5 million. They are from 80 different countries. And one of the most exciting developments is that 37 of these churches in other parts of the world in the developing nations are now joining us and sending out international workers themselves. So our force is expanding. And we're going to the least reached people on the planet and we are in short a global pioneering missionary movement. Melody and I thank you for partnering with us for 31 years at least in the sand region of Africa. Today, for our message, we're going to be remembering. Uh, yes, we've spent some time remembering those who died to pay for our freedom in our country and who gave their lives so that we could worship God freely and live freely for Him. Uh, but we're going to be remembering someone else who gave his life so that every people, tongue, tribe, language, and nation can have freedom from sin, from bondage, and will be received into eternal life with Jesus Christ. We're going to remember Jesus, the man, the Messiah for all nations. We look at four, we're going to look at uh, Jesus' ministry and his life, and many times we wonder, well, you know, it seems that Jesus came to this little part of the world called Palestine, and he basically was there for the Jewish people, and Jesus was here to minister to the Jews. He came from the seed of Abraham, and he was a Jewish Messiah. And that's kind of our thinking. But if we really look carefully at Jesus' life, we will discover that he is a man or a Messiah for all peoples and all nations. And we look at his life and ministry and look at four ways he demonstrated his commitment to the nations during his life and ministry. First of all, uh, there's the prophecy from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah made a prophecy over 400 years before Jesus showed up 
and he was talking about the servant and prophesying about the servant who would come. And most scholars believe that these prophecies of the servant are prophecies about Jesus himself and that Jesus was that servant. Let's read what the Scriptures say about uh, in that prophecy. Isaiah chapter 49, 5. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The prophet here is saying that the servant was coming and it was too small, in his job description, it was too small a thing that he should be limited only to restoring the house of Israel, the people of Judah, the people of Jacob. That was too small for him, but that he would also be a light to all nations, to the Gentiles, and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We also see that in Jesus' life and ministry, he strategically chose the location where he would set up his base of operations. Uh, Jesus strategically chose the little town of Capernaum. Let's read what it says in Matthew chapter 4 and verses uh, 12 to 16. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, where, he, his, where Mary and Joseph were from, remember? Leaving Nazareth, his hometown, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So we see here that Jesus strategically chose the village of Capernaum, which is not very big. Melody and I went, had the privilege of going to the Holy Land, and we went to Capernaum. It's not even as big as Grand Prairie, not even as big as DeBolt. I mean, it's small. <laughs> And uh, Jesus set that up as his base of operations. Why? Well, let's look at a map of the Holy Land. Now, this is going to look a little confusing with all these arrows. But at the, at the bottom of the arrow there, or at the, where they all join together, that's Capernaum. And it's located in the north end of the Sea of Galilee, so why did he choose it? Well, if you look at the arrow that goes up to the right, it points to Syria. Syria was a Gentile nation. In fact, that's where Jonah was called to go. Uh, Syria with Damascus, the huge city uh, that was the capital of Syria, is a land of the Arab people, and it's completely Gentile. It's not far from the area called Decapolis. 
Decapolis means ten cities. And basically, it's the Greek word for ten cities. And that area was settled by the Greeks under Alexander the Great and became a Greek center. And so there were Greek people living in that area. And look a little bit to the north and the west, the arrow that's pointing to Phoenicia. And Phoenicia was a, a city that was not Jewish. It was Gentile, the Phoenician Empire. Uh, and De Capernaum, not too far away. And then you look down to the south and the west a little bit, and you have this country of, or the region of Samaria. The half-breed population mixed Jewish and Gentile people, and uh, they were not very well respected by the Jews, and so if a Jew was to travel from Galilee, which was Jewish, down to the Judean area or Jerusalem, they would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go through Samaria, but remember, Jesus in his ministry said at one point, I must go through Samaria. And it was just a direct route right up to Capernaum. So Jesus was very strategic in choosing his base of operation because he could be in proximity to and close to many different peoples and influence and impact them. Well, let's look at Jesus' actual ministry. Uh, let's look at uh, how he ministered during his life. We see in Matthew 4, verses 23 to 35, why Jesus chose Capernaum and what happened as a result of this choice. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That verse, that's Jewish ministry. That's Jesus' people. That's the people among whom he was born. But let's look at the next verse. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizure, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Syria, that's Gentile ministry. And so the Gentiles, because it wasn't too far away, came and heard about Jesus, and they came, and they brought their people for healing and ministry, and Jesus healed them. Jesus ministered to them. Jesus wanted to be a Messiah for all nations, so he chose Capernaum. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across the Jordan followed him. Again, Decapolis, the Greek area, the regions across the Jordan, Gentile areas, and Jesus, they came from all of these areas, including Judea and Jerusalem and Galilee, and Jesus ministered to both Jews and to the peoples of the nations. So by his strategy of cho choosing a base of operation and through his life and ministry, we see Jesus touching people from all areas of the world. 
And actually, Jesus also ministered in various occasions in the regions of the Gentiles. Uh, we have stories throughout the Scripture talking about Gentile people being touched by Jesus. Uh, the Canaanite woman's daughter, the Roman centurion's servant, the woman at the well. These were not Jewish people. And Jesus cared for them and ministered to them. But he also went to the region of Decapolis to minister. He crossed the Sea of Galilee, and the, we have two recordings in Scripture of Jesus feeding multitudes. Feeding of the 5,000 happened in Galilee to Jewish people. The feeding of the 4,000 happened in Decapolis to Gentile people. Jesus is Messiah for all peoples of the world, for the nations. We also have the story of the woman at Samaria. And Jesus left Jerusalem and he said, I'm not going to go around Samaria. I have to go through Samaria because there's someone there that's going to open a door for me in ministry to that community. And he ministered to the woman at the well and she called the people from the community and they came and Jesus ministered to them. And there was a, a large ministry that happened in Samaria as Jesus crossed that country. Jesus is a Messiah for all peoples. Then the cleansing of the temple is another example. Uh, when Jesus cleansed the temple, uh, he went in and cleaned out an area of the temple. Let's see what area that was. Where the arrow is. Court of the Gentiles. That area was reserved for Gentile people to come and experience the worship of God among the Jewish people. It was set, up, set aside or set apart for the Gentile people. But what had the Jews done? Well, the pocketbook spoke. And they started to set up commerce in the court of the Gentiles, making less and less space available to Gentiles to come and worship because they wanted the cash. And Jesus went in and turned over the tables, chased out the, the people and says, don't you know that my father's house is to be a house of prayer for all nations? For all nations. In this act, Jesus is clearly showing that he came for all nations and for all peoples. Well, what is our response? Well, Jesus is head of the body, the church. He is our example and model. And uh, when he ascended to the Father, he entrusted the task of reaching the nation to us, his people. And we're going to, can you back up one? I missed something here, and I think it's important we look at this. Uh, in his last words, he gave this to us, this command. We call it the Great Commission. 
It's actually found in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts in one form or another. Five times these words in one way or another are repeated in Scripture as the last words of our Lord Jesus to his church. Let's read them together. All authority on heaven and earth, out loud together, has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's been entrusted to us. Jesus left that with us. And as head of the body, he demonstrated his heart for the nations. If the head has that basic focus, should not the body also have the same focus? Should we not engage in the way our Lord Jesus did? So what's our response? How have we done in the past 2,000 years? How, what's been happening? Well, there's been progress, and there are challenges, and that's kind of normal. Uh, progress. Believers are found in almost every geographical country of the world. About a third of the world's population is Christian today. That's great. Almost ge every geographical country has Christians in it. But the remaining challenge on the right-hand side there, of the 7.3 billion people in the world, 3 billion live among unreached peoples. And 1.6 billion are completely unevangelized. 1.6 billion have no form of gospel witness, no Christians, no church, no missionaries engaging them. There's still a job to be done. Of the over 9,700 9, people groups can be considered to be reached with the gospel today. But, on the other hand, the challenge is, according to one database, there are 16,562 people groups. Of these, 9,715 have been reached and with the gospel message, and 6,847 people groups are still unreached with the gospel. Now, what does it mean to have a least reached people? Uh, the 9,000, the, the, pardon me, the 7,000 are least reached people. It means there's less than 2% evangelical Christians. And it is uh, understood in mission circles that you need about 2% evangelicals in a, in a culture in order for them to be able to reach their own people effectively with the gospel. Under 2%, they still need outside help. So that's what that basically means. And so uh, we have a huge task. Still about 40% of the world's population do not have access to the gospel or access to Jesus. Now friends, for me, this is one of the biggest challenges facing the church today. In fact, we talk about social justice issues and compassion 
and we need to have ministries focused on social justice and compassion. But the biggest social injustice for me today is the fact that there still is 40% of the world's population that does not yet have access to Jesus. Think about it. Is that not an injustice? This inequality of opportunity is something that has moved me to mission. It's a big part of why I went to Africa. Because we were pastoring a church in Westlock, just north of Edmonton. Eleven churches in a community of 4,000 people. And there are lots of places in Africa where you can go for hours and hours and pass through three, four hundred villages, and none of them have a gospel witness. No known Christians. Friends, let's engage in the greatest injustice facing the church. And let's seek to bring the message of Jesus to those who don't have access. Progress. Each of our 250 CMA workers are working with the least reached people group. I've explained that already, that we each have to identify a least reached people group. The challenge, 91% of all Christian outreach and evangelism does not target non-Christians, but targets other Christians. Wow. What are we doing? Christians make up 33% of the world's population, but have been blessed with 53% of the world's annual income. We make up a third of the world's population. We have over half of the world's annual income. We are blessed. But why are we blessed? We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to the nations. We are blessed to bless. I think I heard your pastor say that uh, recently. But you know what? And this challenges me too. 1.9% of all of, of Christians' income worldwide is given to all Christian causes. That means all of our churches, all of our Christian schools and Christian orphanages and all Christian ministries, okay? Of all of our resources, 53% of the world's annual income, we're only giving 1.9% to all Christian causes. And then of that amount, we're only giving one-tenth of one percent to reach the least reached. Are we really focused where we should be? Are we really believing that Jesus is a Messiah for all nations? Or is it just for us? In the early 1990s, the church had a special focus on reaching Muslims, the Muslim world. Today, there are more Muslims turning to follow Jesus than at any other time in history. This is wonderful. I wish you could have been at prayer retreat and heard our president, David Hearn, share about a recent visit to the Middle East. And he was just overcome 
with the number of people that are responding to the message of Jesus in the Middle East and North Africa, in Iran, Iraq, and North Africa, more Muslims are following Jesus today than at any other time in history. And I believe it's in direct response to the church getting serious about praying for God to penetrate that stronghold of Islam and the church getting serious about engaging the Muslim peoples of the world. And we're beginning to see the fruit today. But oh, there are so many more parts of the world. India, in five years, will be the most populous nation on earth, but it has the most least reached people groups in the whole world, anywhere on the planet. And over 2,000 of the least reached people groups are in northern India. Almost one billion people in India do not have access to Jesus yet. There's nobody in their culture who speaks their language who can take the message of Jesus to them. There's a huge job to be done. Well, on the, re uh, the progress side, the CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, in our last General Assembly, we decided we are going to address this issue and we are going to make uh, India our next focus. We're going to call it Gateway and we're going to seek to send workers into that area of the world. Uh, we desire to d double our missionary force in the next five years. We need people who will respond to God's call to go to this area. It's not going to be easy. It's one of the most difficult and challenging places in the world to live and work. But we need people to respond. We need people to support. We need people to pray and break down the strongholds that are there so that we can see God break through in northern India in the same way he's doing among the Muslim peoples today. Another progress thing. The churches from the global south are joining us. And they're becoming sending churches. South Korea has sent 35,000 missionaries. Brazil, 27,000. And China, 30,000. Or 22,000. But we need to find creative ways that we can work with these churches and partner with them, sharing our experience and uh, resources and linking with them to do the job that remains. In conclusion, how can you engage? How can you become involved? Well, first of all, is Jesus Lord? Is this Jesus who has a, is a Messiah for all nations? who has a heart to see the, people of the peoples of the world come into his kingdom. Is he really Lord in our lives, in our churches? Does he have the right to tell you what to do with your money? Oh, you say, I give to the church regularly. But what if he asked you to double that or triple it? Would you obey what about if he asked your young adult daughter to become one of those who's going to India? Would you say, Jesus, your Lord, I release her to you? What if he's asking you to become one of those people? Would you say, I'll go? 
I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. First of all, we need to make Jesus Lord. Second, we can learn and be informed about what's happening around the world. We just completed Kairos course. We're doing another one in May and June, I think, here in the church. Uh, why not take it? It really will open your eyes to what's happening around the world. And then decide to do something. You can pray for least reached people groups. Yesterday we extended a scroll with the names of all of the least reached people groups. Uh, 154 eight and a half 11 by 11 pieces of paper uh, lengthwise glued together and it stretched the whole distance of the back of this sanctuary. These people don't know Jesus yet. They haven't been reached with his message. What will you do? What will I do? Well, pray. The joshuaproject.net has a great app there that you can uh, subscribe to and you, on your phone you'll get a, a information about one people group every day that you can pray for give decide yeah this is so important i'm going to double my giving to global advance fund now double nothing is still nothing i'd say at least start with 50 bucks a month but anyway uh, decide to make a monthly donation to missions. Decide to contact a CMA worker. Go on a short-term team. Get involved and get on the road to doing what you can do because it's really everyone, everywhere, all the time if we're going to get the job done. Jesus is the Messiah for the nations. Are we 